With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and you know who's with me. Yes, and Turkey here, and Mash, Bangladesh are coming, an all-format tour. But you know what? I feel like this is a win-win for us, Mash, because last time when Bangladesh played, everyone on this podcast, based in the UK, was up 4am, bleary-eyed, struggling to find a stream, whereas this time... It's more friendly. It's on BT Sport and it starts at 3pm, finish about 10, 11pm. So for our mental and physical well-being, I feel like it's, it's already a win for everyone on this pod. But we've got two special guests, the only two Bengalis in the country who are brave enough to front up and come on the podcast. One of them will be familiar to you guys, Torhid. Torhid, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Good to, good to see you both, Mashal Santoki and uh, Roshan as well. Yeah, looking forward to this. I was saying... Uh, the other day, it feels like a real meeting of minds. This podcast, and you know, we we could well break the internet with this podcast. So yeah, looking looking forward to it. <laughs> and on the other side, making his debut on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, long overdue. Rashan, host of the Bangla Cricket Podcast. How are you doing, man? Really well. Really pleased to be here. This is this is a super podcast. You know, when they say the term super podcast, this is what they meant. This is it. I'm looking forward to this. Love it. So, Rashan, this is your first time on the pod. Do you want to explain to sort of all the viewers your history of Bangladesh cricket? How did it start? How long you've been following it? And sort of what's the Bangladesh cricket pod? Kind of what are you doing with it at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I started following Bangladesh cricket just before the 99 World Cup when one of my uncles told me that Bangladesh had a cricket team and they were playing a friendly in Gantz Hill. Now, to this day, I can't find any record of this match that happened in Gantz Hill and I frequent Gantz Hill a lot. It's the go-to date spot for a young Asian in London. But this cricket match allegedly happened prior to the 99 World Cup. And I think it's because cricket for me became a leveller between generations, you know, the kind of Bangladeshi kind of culture is very formal between me then as a teenager, uncles, grandparents, aunties and mums and stuff like that. But cricket seemed to become a leveller. And I've always said you can't create passion through obligation. And 
there was just a, a kind of a real ownership of something that Bangladesh were doing that had broken through to the mainstream and I could speak to my friends about it at school and they were good enough to be at a World Cup and that kind of created this sort of incredible passion in a way I feel like I I grew up with Bangladesh cricket through my teenage years for for every milestone in my personal life there was a milestone you know in Bangladesh I graduated the same year we won our first test match etc and so that relationship has sort of always been there and then the podcast started if I'm honest because of a frustration and a lack of coverage of Bangladesh cricket in the kind of I guess mainstream media particularly in the UK and I know now it's different you know the internet's changed that but for me it was like I loved having those conversations. We'd sit in, you know, kebab shops and discuss batting orders or what we'd do if we were, you know, the coach or the captain. And it was obvious that there was this community there that wanted to speak about cricket. And I was like, well, I have the kind of basic skills to do audio editing. So maybe there's something in that. And also just for me, I think like cricket now, particularly with Bangladesh cricket, you have a massive spectrum of fans. You have, you know, the kind of diehard cricket fans who know every thing about Bangladesh cricket, watch every game to the kind of casual fans who, you know, there's a young generation of Bangladeshis who connect to their heritage and culture entirely through sport. And so there's this big spectrum. And I kind of wanted to go, well, what can I do that kind of involves all of them? Um, and so that was where the kind of the Bangladesh cricket podcast was sort of born from the idea of sort of just being a kind of a open space for entry level fans or diehard Bangladesh cricket fans alike and just somewhere we could kind of get together and have that community and talk about cricket in a kind of very open welcoming kind of uh kind of non-intimidating way and that's that's where it was born from most definitely and it's um I'm super excited to have you on um we're gonna we're definitely gonna chew the fat over this tour of course you're a I feel like you're a long-time guest um, when it comes to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And uh, we've actually done this before, you know, minus minus Rashan. We've actually done this before in terms of looking at Bangladesh, West Indies tours. And gents, I'm going to put this question to both of you first things first. Would it be fair of me to say that, uh, granted, the current World Test Championship does not reflect this and West Indies are actually in the heady heights of sixth? as we record this, but would it be fair to say that this is usually the wooden spoon fixture of the world cricket calendar? Yeah. I mean, I can, I'm happy to jump in and go first. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Traditionally, I guess, you know, certainly over the last few years, both teams have kind of languished towards the bottom of the test rankings or, or, or indeed, you know, the world test championship. Um, but, you know, having said that, I'm looking forward to this tour. I think, you know, if you look back over the last couple of years, all the encounters between Bangladesh and uh, the West Indies have actually served up some really interesting cricket, you know, across all formats. I mean, I'm just thinking back even to the T20 World Cup, really uh, interesting game between the two sides there, which I feel Bangladesh should have won. Uh, West Indies won by about three, three or four runs in the end, didn't they? Um, and actually, even even in the Women's World Cup, you know, a really interesting uh, encounter there between Bangladesh and West Indies, which again I think Bangladesh should have won. Um, and you know, if we go back to eighteen months, you know, that was, a, that was such a thrilling uh, two-match Test series in Bangladesh, which of course. Uh, West Indies ended up winning 1-0 and you know I think we've both spoken about this before so I won't kind of ramble on about it but I, I kind of look back at that test series really fondly just in terms of 
Uh, I guess just in terms of, you know, what I was doing with Slightscreen Credit Journal at the time, it was probably the first time that I'd really tried to cover a, a test series in that much kind of depth. Um, so, yeah, I kind of got really involved with it. And, yeah, like Santoki was saying, you know, before AM starts were, were quite punishing. But, by the way, Santoki, I, yeah, I, I, I seem to remember that you only kind of tuned in from about sort of 9 a.m., yes and i couldn't i couldn't get the permission slips like signed off the wife that time so unfortunately yeah i, I wasn't one of the 4am gang but i i was paying my respects to you guys who all stayed up at 4am <laughs> um but let's talk about let's talk about bangladesh their current situation in the test side so they're coming off the back of a loss to sri lanka in the series and then previously south africa and then in between that you sort of have the miraculous win in new zealand the one-off win how would you kind of, Rashan, how would you kind of evaluate where Bangladesh are at the moment in the test format? Honestly, I don't know is the honest answer. I don't know what's what sort of team are going to turn up against the West Indies, particularly, I don't know, we'll speak about this in great length, but under the new captaincy of Shakib, I like I don't know what's going to happen because the last few series have been disappointing. And it's not like when we sometimes go on tour to New Zealand and go, okay, we need to work on this and this, or we don't know how to play balance, this and the other. It's just been a series of poor performances, particularly in the batting unit. And Bangladesh love a scapegoat. Okay. We love a scapegoat. And it feels like Momin always made that. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have different feelings on uh, the whole kind of captaincy. And if I'm honest, my mind has changed. And I will give you the full 360 if you'd like it. But I think there might be an expectation of a fresh start under Shakib except he's playing with very much the same team that lost in Sri Lanka and lost in South Africa, minus uh, Mushfika Rahim. So I don't know what's going to turn out on the field. It could be, you know, Bangladesh have the the, the, the kind of power to sort of be kind of, not emotional, but kind of motivated mentally and go, right, new start, fresh start, Momo's not the captain, we're playing under Shakib, and that could lead us to a kind of a New Zealand repeat. But equally, it could be the same 11 players doing the same 11 things. So, genuinely i mean i know this is a preview episode of the podcast but in terms of previewing i can't call it i genuinely don't know which way it's going to go i genuinely know which version of bangladesh we're turning to the old pakistan basically is what i'm saying here <laughs> so let's let's talk about shakib because obviously he was made captain from my perspective as an outsider it seemed like he was sort of dabbling with retiring from test cricket not being committed and now it's a complete u-turn where he's expected to lead the side Tawhid, were you surprised at him being made captain or was this was he the logical successor? Um, I suppose it wasn't it wasn't a surprise, I guess, if if that doesn't sound like me sitting on the fence. Um yeah, it I guess it was a little bit, you know, there are certain parallels, I guess, with the England captaincy situation when Joe Root stepped down, i.e., you know, there was no obvious kind of successor. So you know, it's been passed around uh, the seniors within the team. So Tommy's had a had a stint. Mushfik has had a stint. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to go back to it. Um, so yeah, from 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 that kind of sense, I guess, um, yeah, there there was no obvious candidate really apart from Shakib. I guess the surprise element comes in really from the fact that, you know, even if you go back to the start of the year um, and he was kind of, you know, making, well, I say making excuses, but, um, you know, he he didn't go on that New Zealand tour uh, for you know, personal reasons, I think, was cited at the time. Um, so, you know, at that stage, 
there were real kind of question marks about, uh, you know, his his kind of test future. And actually, if you look back so, uh, previous to that, so I can't remember the, the stat off the top of my head. I'm terrible at those stats. I'm sure Roshan uh, might be able to fill us in. But I, I was reading sort of since his ban, uh, sorry, since since yes, so since he played since he was reintroduced after his ban. So when was that? This basically after the pandemic. So he's played like less than something like I don't know forty percent of the the tests that he could have played for for Bangladesh. So you know there was certainly you know if you look at the the, the last sort of couple of years there was certainly a tendency for him to to kind of miss lots of test matches and yeah there was lots of sort of speculation over his test future but you know having said all of that um yeah and you know whether or not it's it's like a long-term arrangement or not I guess is 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 a question in terms of his age but yeah I guess I kind of see it as you know it's 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 an obvious kind of step i guess that they've taken the the cricket board and it's a bit of an feels like a bit of an uneasy compromise but i think it's you know in the short term anyway it's got to be a positive you know shakib's been there he's done that he knows you know he knows the game inside out i guess the one thing i've always said about shakib you know he's always going to add so much to the team in terms of his batting, his bowling, you know, the way that he balances a team as any sort of top ranking all rounder, the likes of Jason Holder, Ben Stokes, you know, those guys are worth their weight in gold, as is Shakib. But, you know, the one thing that I've, I've always kind of said about him, it, he brings with him this, I don't know if baggage is the right word, but there's certainly a bit of a, a circus around him whether that be a media circus or a social media circus, however you want to phrase it, but there's always, you know, baggage, there's always a backstory, there's always something going on, there's always a, is he going to play, isn't he going to play, there's always a bit of a melodrama playing out in the background. So it's quite interesting, you know, you were talking about that test that they won in New Zealand, and, you know, the likes of Tommy and Shakib weren't there, and actually sort of speaking to uh, a few sort of Bangladeshi journalists, you know, this kind of theory sort of emerged that actually that kind of freed up a lot of the players, the fact that Shiki wasn't there, the, the fact that Tubbin wasn't there, that, you know, a lot of the younger sort of members of that team were, were able to sort of play with a bit more freedom. They weren't sort of burdened with this kind of, um, yeah, sort of melodrama circus going on in the background. So, so yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question, but, um, yeah, that's my view. Yeah, to, I mean, like, like I think you nailed it on the head there. Where I don't think we're sitting on the fence by being sort of surprised by it, but also going, hmm, okay, look, Momenul Huck was an unexpected captain. He was brought in when Shakib got that ban, and at the time they went, well, who have we got? Tamim doesn't really want it. Mushfik doesn't really want it, and Momenul Huck at the time was was probably our most consistent performer. He looks like a, a kind of a steady guy to take the role. So what he had was the performances, but he's not a kind of charismatic commander. He's very, he's very softly spoken. He's very kind of like his demeanor, his body language is very kind of polite and very quiet. And as soon as the performance element of it went, he became a very easy scapegoat. And I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it feels like social media picks are starting at eleven at times, and the calls for Mominal's uh, resignation of him to be removed from captain 
sort of got louder and louder. It maybe took a bit of a break during the uh, the New Zealand win, during the South Africa loss. Um, Mushfiq Rahim started to become the scapegoat because he played one like one bad shot basically, um, and then it, it, it really sort of started to get louder and louder. And I, I've, you know, I've, I've spoken to Tahoe about this, but I didn't want him to go because I thought it felt like the start of the new generation of Bangladesh playing under him. Because if you're Momin Huck and and in you know. In Bangladeshi culture, in the cricket culture, you're you're having to command players who are far more experienced than you, far more older than you. That's a tough task to do. You're going to tell Shakib go and bat at number five today. It's hard for Momin to do. Um, and so I thought with the younger lineup that we kind of have seen since uh, the New Zealand team, with you know the kind of uh, Nazmul Hassan Chantos, Mumble Hassan Joys, I thought he could be the right guy. Where I think there's credit due is how the board handled it. Um, I was actually quite impressed to see. One press release saying he has asked to step down as captain. And then a few days later, one announcing the new captain. Because normally, and you'll back me up here, it is a quote from the BCB. It's a quote in the press. Shakib said something, Tommy said something, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when they they did it, uh, and they did it quite cleanly this time. So when they announced Momino has asked not to be the test captain, my initial reaction was one of a bit of sadness because I think in Bangladesh cricket, we sometimes waste good talent. We know Momenul Huck is a quality, quality player, and we know the pressure of captaincy is weighed down in his head. And I sometimes wonder, should we have spent a bit more time working on his his kind of mental health and with his sort of psychology and going, let's build him back up to be the kind of player he needs to be? And is sacking him just going to just like sort of turn him into a bit of a Mushfiqa character? We knew Mushfiq took a long time after losing the captaincy to come back to become the player he is now. It happened. And then the question of who is going to become captain Tamim doesn't really want it. His name was in the hat. Mushfik didn't want it. And the other players who were kind of in contention of being future captains too soon. Like Litton Das was chucked in the, in the ring, but he's just finding the form of his life. Nazmal uh, Shanto touted as a future captain, but his performance has been up and down. So there was no real kind of guarantee that he's even going to be in the 11, let alone, let alone be captain. And so what I think they've done now is a compromise. Shakib is captain. Litton Dars as vice-captain. I feel like this is going to be a bit on-the-job training role for Litton Dars, and I would not be surprised in a year, 18 months, two years, we see Shakib retiring from the format and Litton taking over. In terms of Shakib being captain, like I'm not going to lie to you, I think two months ago the guy wanted to retire from Test cricket. I think there's a weird thing where he wants to retire, but he can't be seen to want to retire. He sort of needs to stop playing one day. And I think what will have happened here is, you know, like anyone in any job, we look for a purpose or a motivation or what's going to get us up to go and do the job the next day. I wonder whether the idea of captaincy now and nurturing lit on into that future role is what's going to give Shaki the motivation to come and turn up and play five days cricket. Because two months ago, if you asked me the same question, I, I would tell you the man wants to retire, but he's to, he, something's going on that is making him not. So there's talk that they wanted him for three years. He'd be 38 in three years. I can't see that happening. What I think will happen is Shaki now in his head, has a mentoring role for Litton Dars. We saw Litton captain in the warm-up game. That wasn't a surprise to me. I think in about a year from now, maybe 18 months, Litton Dars takes over, and this is a very, very temporary move from the BCB. Mm. So, Mash, basically what I took from that as West Indies fans are, these men are saying, it's all a shambles at the moment in Bangladesh. <laughs> prepare <laughs> prepare <laughs> for the 2 nil against the mighty West Indies. <laughs> but, but listen, Satoki, I was listening intently to all of this, and actually... Before we move on, I actually want to put this question back to the two, two of you. If Shakib did, and actually, Santoki, before they answer, I want to see if you agree with me. If Shakib did what he's been doing and he was West Indian, he'd be getting cussed out from everyone. Because Shakib essentially, as far as I can see, 
is the equivalent of a, in terms of status, a Pollard, a Gale, a Bravo, a, a Dre Russ in the in the context of Bangladesh cricket. If he was Amin Anarin and he was West Indian, Amin Anarin about whether he's going to play Test cricket, drop out one day, take captaincy the next day, get banned, come back. <laughs> So listen, the uncles will be all over this guy saying, how dare he, how dare he think he's bigger than West Indies cricket and so on and so forth. So I just want to put it back to you two. Is there ever any sense that anyone actually cusses Shakib out or is he legitimately bigger than Bangladesh cricket? Is he a pop star in Bangladesh cricket? Can he basically do what he wants? Within This is an interesting question. I want to see what he says. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean... To answer it maybe in two parts, yes, he, you know, he, I would say he's a hugely divisive figure, um, even within Bangladesh, you know, he's, yeah, he's got a legion, an army of, of fans and followers who, who absolutely worship him and, you know, will, will rightly sort of point to all his achievements, but he's a divisive figure because of, you know, those sort of reasons that I was talking about before, because of the, you know, the baggage, the, the, you know the the, the off-field stuff that, that sort of um, he you know that, that that comes with him, if you like, with his performance. And in terms of if he is bigger than Bangladesh cricket or not, so I guess the real I don't know if it's like the biggest power struggle, but certainly like the biggest power power struggle I can think of within uh, Bangladesh cricket is between uh, the BCB president. Uh, whose name is Papon, well, that's his nickname anyway, between him and Shakib. So the, basically the BCB president kind of sees himself as, you know, the supremo who's, who's kind of, you know, running the show. So, yeah, there's there's a real sort of tussle, I would say, between those two in terms of, you know, is Shakib going to get his way um, in terms of, you know, being able to pick and choose the games he wants to play, pick and choose the formats he wants to play. And, you know, I think actually, you know, rightly, the, the, the BCB have at times kind of dug their heels in. And, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a tension that is exclusive to, to Bangladesh by any means. I think every single, uh, you know, major... Uh, cricket playing nation is is having these kind of tensions and discussions between the board and players you know you know players trying to dictate uh which which games to to kind of pick and choose uh that they play in so uh yes he certainly gets his fair share of flack and yeah if you're uh the, the bcb president then no certainly you wouldn't say that he was uh bigger than Bangladesh cricket yeah, I'd probably agree with all of that. Um, I always think of Shakib as like, um, when my dad used to ask me if I want to visit my uncle's house, I'd never say, like, I just don't want, to, don't want to go there anymore. I'd come up with a different excuse each time. And I think that is Shakib and Test Cricket. That basically is it. And I wonder, and I've no evidence to back this up other than my own kind of perception. I wonder the lack if the lack of an IPL contract possibly skewed his retirement plan a little bit. But I think, yeah. I think if you asked me two, three months ago, the plan would have been that he wanted to sort of ease himself out of the format. But here we are. He's got the captain's armband. I think I think the one thing kind of you can say that points to Shakib 
being captain as an advantage is similar to what Mash said about Pollard leading by example. If Shakib's there taking five for us in the test arena and looking around and saying, What are you guys doing? it will kind of hopefully raise the game. So it could be it could be a smart move from, from the Bangladesh cricket board to have him lead by example as captain, even if it is short term. But one player we've mentioned him briefly, Mushfika Rahim, he's not playing. Um he's performing Hajj. He he sort of held the side together against Sri Lanka, um, despite the loss. Rashan, just how big a loss is it? not to have him in that middle order. Do you know what? It is a huge loss. He is like, like our biggest and most reliable batsman. But at the same time, I'm weirdly not worried if, if, if that makes sense. Like I'm not too, like, I think there's enough in that test lineup in that batting order to, to, to sort of hold it together. And actually I think, I think with the big thing for Bangladesh over the last sort of like five, six years is who opens with Tamim. And I think we've answered that question for the test lineup at the moment. I think that is obviously Mahmoud Hassan Joy. It's now high time our number threes and fours sorted themselves out, whether that's Shanto carrying on, whether Momino continues at number four, uh, and if Shaki comes in at five, lit on six. You know, we bat deep enough in that test lineup to put runs on the board. And so whilst Mushfiqur Rahim's experience in that kind of all, in that batting order is a loss, there should be, there should be enough runs on the board from Bangladesh. And I actually think his absence hopefully, similar to, to Tamim and Shakib's absence in that New Zealand match, will hopefully put pressure on Nazmul Hussain Shonda going, hang on, my, my place isn't guaranteed here anymore. And Momenal Hutt going, well, I'm not skipper anymore, so I've no excuse other than to focus on my batting. So, you know, whilst we will miss Mushvik, I think there's enough in that lineup. And also, if we fail now, I want to see who they scapegoat, because Mushfik Rahim is a professional scapegoat, man. Anytime we lose, they all go, ah, that reverse sweep against Lacoste as a test match. Who are they going to blame this time? They can't blame Mushfiqur Rahim. Do you know what I mean? So for that alone, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, how the others go. Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, maybe differ slightly to, well, I think Roshan's optimism is, is something I always admire, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, Bangladesh cricket. And I'm probably more of the sort of glass half empty uh, kind of view of things. But yeah, I mean, yes, of course, Mushfiqur Rahim will be a huge sort of loss to that sort of middle order, primarily because their batting is like so brittle that it's it's kind of cost them uh, so many times. So, so I know, you know, we were saying, uh, or Roshan was saying earlier, you know, don't quite know what to expect in, in this series. So if you look back, actually over the last sort of six, seven months, Bangladesh have played eight test matches. So for Bangladesh, that's a lot of tests in quite a sort of short space of time. And, you know, after this series against West Indies, it will be 10 tests in the space of sort of eight months, which is, you know, quite a good sample size to, to be able to sort of work out trends and things. So, so one thing that's constantly happened. So I was in Bangladesh for the Pakistan series, uh, you know, granted, Hassan Ali, Shaheen Shah, Freedy, world-class bowlers, probably, you know, almost at the peak of their powers. And, you know, Bangladesh were regularly in their first innings, four or five down for sort of 20, 30 or thing. You know, they just blew them away. Then what we saw uh, in the South Africa series was actually, you know, they'd get reasonable sort of first innings scores, but then they were blown away in the second innings. So 80-odd all out. And then 50 odd all out as well. And uh similarly in the in the Sri Lanka series just gone, you know, there were these um top order um kind of collapses, which you know Mushfika and uh Liton Das kind of rescued 
you know, they could do it in, in one innings, but, you know, it's almost impossible to, to recover from, you know, 20 or 30 or four or five, uh, you know, two innings in a row. It just doesn't happen. So basically what I'm trying to say is the brittleness of that top order is really something that's, that's you know, I... Uh, yeah, I would like to think that you know Bangladesh can put put a good batting performance together, but it, it's it's going to be a tall order. I mean, just looking back to that Sri Lanka series, so there was a hundred partnership by uh, Joy and Tamim in that first test, which I think was like the first hundred uh, opening bat partnership for at least sort of four or five years. So you know that those were sort of good signs, but yeah. It, it, you know, they sort of flattered to deceive a little bit with with kind of, uh, yeah, these batting collapses. And just one last thing as well on the batting. I know it sometimes gets overlooked, but essentially what I would say is that Bangladesh easily have the worst tail in world cricket. And if not, you know, not only world cricket currently, I would say possibly of all time. Basically, you look at their numbers 8, 9, 10, uh, sorry, numbers certainly numbers 9, 10 and 11 are all averaging not only single figures, but kind of low single figures. So basically, once you get to sort of seven, eight down, then, you know, the, the tail can't really provide much at all. Santoki, did you hear that? Well, <laughs> well, I was going to say we have we have an ancient saying in West Indies cricket for that's been going on for centuries that we give tailenders the best matches of their life with the bat. So it wouldn't surprise me if the fizz hit like a double century in Antigua <laughs> against our bowling. But I think like I think it is interesting because the first test is in Antigua, which for the last three tests against Sri Lanka and England have been a batsman's paradise. Uh, five days of complete batting, everyone racking up centuries. And then in contrast, St. Lucia, when we played South Africa in two tests there last year, was a bowler's paradise. Rabada and Norkia had a field day. So I think it's going to be contrasting surfaces and we'll see batsmen and bowlers flourish depending on um, what test it is. So what I'd like to ask you guys each is if you could pick one batsman and one bowler from the Bangladesh side who you think will have a successful tour or sort of emerge as star players in this series, who would you pick? I'm going to dive straight in with my batsman, and that's yeah, lit on Dars. Are you, you going to go for someone similar, Tarian? Yeah, well, I was going to. So I feel that you know, Litton's now kind of got there, and uh, you know, not that he's not got anything to prove. I think you know, over you look at his record over the last sort of 24 months, actually, it's been outstanding in sort of Red Bull cricket. Um, but I was going to say Yasser Ali. I, I, in terms of a player to, to emerge, so Yasser Ali. Uh, he got his debut against uh, Pakistan back in that sort of series in November. He was quite unfortunately got hit on the head by a Hassan Ali bouncer, went off for concussion, missed the rest of that series, but then uh, came back in New Zealand, played played pretty well there. He was kind of displaced, I guess, by Shakib um, in you know the last two series because. Um, I guess, yeah, he's kind of a lot. Well, they've played him principally to kind of lengthen their uh, batting lineup uh, when he has been in the team. So he's kind of almost come in, I think, down at sort of number seven, number eight, just to, to kind of bat. He does kind of bowl a few part times, but I really want to see him uh, because, you know, the little that, that, you know, I've seen of him, he's, he's quite a nuggety 
uh, kind of stubborn kind of play that's going to sort of stick around. Um, and, you know, it, it, exactly I feel the kind of batsman uh, the Bangladesh need in their middle order. Yeah, for me, it is, it is lit on. Um, and, you know, he, he feels like he's arrived now. And now when I'm watching him, I feel like I'm watching a future test captain. And that weirdly for me has twigged a slight difference. And, you know, he is a guy who for a long time took his fair share of slack. He had his fair share of poor performances. It was for a long time a kind of battle between him and Shomal Shaka of who would open with Tamim. But I think he has suddenly just accelerated into this role. He keeps wicket. He scores runs. He, you know, he had a fantastic series against Sri Lanka with a century. And um, I think there was a score in the eighties as well. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I'm particularly excited about him in this series. The other guy I'm really excited to see is Mustafa Rahman playing a test match, which feels like a bit of a rarity. You know, for me, if he's in the squad, he has to play. And I don't know how you'll feel about Tawhid. I genuinely think if he's in the squad, he's, he has to play. He's not a particularly good test cricketer. And actually, of late, he's not been a particularly good one-day bowler. He was wicketless, I think, in the um, South Africa series, if I'm not mistaken. I've needed maybe double-check that. Um, and he maybe took only like three or four in the, in the series against Afghanistan. So we know he's a quality player. I think his performance in the IPL has upped his currency a little bit. Um, and it sounds like he's had a to and fro with the BCB similar to, to, to Shucky, but um, maybe not as kind of high profile in the press. However, he's now gone, okay, cool. I'm going to be available for test matches. If Mr. Fizzle Rahman is in the squad, he has to play. But for me, if he's in the team, he then also has to deliver. And I think eyes are going to be on him to deliver. I don't think poor performances from Fizz will, will run. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I mean, I think you know, just sort of stepping back uh, a little bit, it's it's a real shame that that actually. So Bangladesh have got a fair few injuries to the, particularly to their bowling unit. Uh, so you know, getting a few excuses in there early. But um, yeah, it's it's a real shame. You know, in terms of the the previous series, Tuskin Ahmed uh, missed the whole of that series. Uh, you know, he's he's out for a few months still. I think uh, Shorafor got injured in that uh, Sri Lanka series, so he's out. So both of those would you know be your probably your opening bowlers basically, and Tuskin certainly the um, you know leading the, the Bangladesh pace attack. Also, uh, Mehdi Miraz uh, Hassan has got a um, uh, a long-term injury as well. So he's probably your kind of, you know, you could say leading sort of most threatening, shall we say, spinner in terms of wicket-taking. So he's missing as well. So you've got some real key individuals who are missing. So, yeah, absolutely, you know, the, the fizz needs to kind of stand up and be counted. But I just think, yeah, I think I'm not expecting too much from him personally because, you know, he's not played, forget about the test match, I don't think he's played with a red ball, you know, I'm not sure if he's played, you know, first-class cricket in Bangladesh. I can't remember the last time he played first-class cricket in Bangladesh. So, you know, and I think the last time he played a test was a good sort of maybe I don't know, two, three years ago, probably. Um, so, yeah, it's a real kind of, um, yeah, he's a real kind of unknown quantity, I would say. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, Roshan has been saying, his, his stock and trade is bowling, you know, sort of four overs at a time, 24 balls in the space of, you know, three or four hours. So that is quite different to bowling, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15 overs in a day uh, in, in in the Caribbean. So, yeah, a real a real challenge for him. So, Mash, 
what, I, what I've taken from that is Torhead has just named every single professional bowler in Bangladesh and said they're not available. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to play Fizz. <laughs> Listen, what I, would say, what I would say, guys, is Tuscan... Every time I read about Tuscan, his uh, his recovery date keeps bringing closer and closer and closer. First, it was going to be out for the, for the whole series. Now they might be back for the T20. So I think there's some panic going in on in the BCB. All I would say is I hope the stocks of deep heat in the West Indies are fully stocked ahead of this series because Tuscan might be needing a lot of it because he might be coming back sooner than we think. Well, it's, it's either him or Torhid opening the bowling. So somebody's going to have to happen. <laughs> Mash, Mash, let's let's get into let's let's talk a bit about West Indies. So we've obviously on previous podcasts um, we've talked about selection issues. But if we take the twelve man squad that's been picked, what what realistically what do you think West Indies should be looking to achieve in this Test series against Bangladesh? Do you know? Before I answer that, what I would say is this is a this is almost like a weird circle though because. Where our test side currently is at almost started with that Bangladesh tour during COVID. If you think mm-hmm. about it, yeah. if it wasn't for that tour, we would have no Carl Mayers in this side right now. We'd have no Nkrumah Bonner. We'd have no Josh De Silva and, and, and so on and so forth. That that tour essentially set the started the careers of players we now consider mainstays. Um uh, in in the West Indies team, so uh, as much as not as as much as many eyes weren't on that particular tour until Mayers hit his double century, um, th- it was quite significant uh, in the in the in the wider context of West Indies cricket. And I'm going to say the same thing I said to you, um, Santoki, when we did the England preview. Remember, I said that I thought we were slight favourites versus England. Um, I'm going to say we're complete favourites versus Bangladesh. That, and that's not to diminish Bangladesh, and that's not to say that they aren't a good team. I just think, realistically, we're strong favourites. It's in our well, own conditions. I think, I think we need to be clear, though. Are we talking about tests here? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, just tests. Just, just tests. Sorry, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> just in the context of the World Test Championship, I believe we're strong favourites. It's a good um, objection, though, to be fair. It's a good objection. <laughs> well, I, I was actually just thinking about it myself. Everything I've, I've said so far relates to Red Bull cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean it'll be 2-0, but... It wouldn't surprise me if it was 1-0 and a draw just because one's in Antigua and, and so on and so forth. But going further than than that, Santoki, obviously, that said, as much as I just said we're strong favourites, we haven't picked our strongest side. And that's not because we're taking Bangladesh lightly, but unfortunately, we have some names missing. Uh, we don't have Jason Holder, who's requested um, t- to be rested. Um, Brooks has held a drop. Uh, who, who uh, Gabriel's we don't think Kamar Roach is going to be fit so in fairness um, as as much as we might start favourites it's not our strongest side so if Bangladesh do turn up given that it looks like we're going to have a couple of debutants not debutants but Devon Thomas a debutant and even though Reefer might play that's not a debutant but you know what I mean Sandal, he's like mm. what second ever test match whatever it might be um, if Bangladesh turn up they could turn us over in fairness Mm, I think the only cause of concern, as you said, Mash, is our bowling. Obviously, Alzari Joseph has been inconsistent. Anderson Phillip hasn't played a test. So we're relying on Jaden Seals. But Jaden Seals, 
today was playing in 45 degrees in Multan in an ODI. He's got to fly to the West Indies. He'll have about 48 hours before the first test and he's only 20 years old and we're go- he's going to be carrying the burden of the bowling attack. And on batting-friendly surface in Antigua, we could see that bowling attack fall, a- fall apart, especially if we're bowling first. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that's the one cause of concern. As you said, our batting order is generally quite settled and experienced by now. But Torhid and Roshan, looking at the West Indies test side, who would you sort of pick out as sort of main players that would concern you as a Bangladesh fan? Yeah, I mean, I can start, I suppose, yeah, thinking back to that um, sort of series, when, when was it, sort of 18 months ago in Bangladesh. I mean, the way that Craig Brathwaite played uh, in that series was a real revelation for me uh, and probably a lot of West Indies sort of supporters as well, I'd imagine, you know, wasn't kind of, you know, I'd, I'd obviously heard about him, I'd, you know, known that he was, you know, a decent batsman. But, yeah, the way that he kind of took that responsibility on of, of, of kind of skippering that team and uh, kind of, you know, leading leading the way, uh, you know, at the top of the top of the order, consistently scoring runs and just really being a total thorn in uh, Bangladesh's side was, yeah, uh, yeah, basically, hope he doesn't do the same again. Um, and yeah, bowling wise, I think, you know, Alzari Joseph, uh, always, you know, an exciting prospect, I think. Well, seen a fair bit of him actually in the BPL. He was playing for uh, Camilla Victorians, actually. So, so actually, you know, some of the Bangladesh players could, could well be uh, familiar with uh, facing him. But yeah, always kind of like the way that, that, that he's kind of. Uh, bold and approaches his his cricket. Um, looking forward to seeing a bit more of Seals. Um, obviously, sort of saw him a little bit during that England tour, but uh, good to, good to see how he's developed. But just just before Roshan answers, just a quick question, I guess, to you, Mashal and Santoki, in terms of I don't know a couple of players that that might have kind of I don't know if they've fallen off the radar, but don't sort of tend to hear much about. Rakeem Cornwall, Shannon Gabriel, are those guys kind of still knocking around? Uh, I'll, in terms of Rakeem, he was just the top wicket taker in our just completed Red Bull season and he can't get in the squad, can't get in the President's eleven either. So that's caused a bit of consternation in the Caribbean because no one has quite worked. Remember this guy, Bolt, what, took 14 wickets in Bangladesh less than, what, a year and a half ago? And all and of a sudden now he can't even get in the President's eleven. Um, uh, to play the Bangladesh side in the warm-up game. So a lot of consternation about that uh, and question marks about, well, what does he have to do to get back into the squad? If if you can't get in as the top wicket-taker in the region, what do you have to do? I, I presume he has to lose some weight because I don't know what else he's supposed to do. Um, and Shannon, I'll let you answer that, Santoki, but basically it's a fitness issue. Yeah, Shannon was injured. Obviously, he missed the England series. He came back for Trinidad in the regional season, but went wicketless. I don't think he took a single wicket, so he couldn't really justify a place. Um, 34 years old, though, and with obviously the likes of Alzari Joseph coming into the side, it'd be interesting to see if he does kind of get back, back into that Cindy side. But at the moment, it's pretty much down to fitness and lack of form. Um, but Rashan, kind of looking at the West Indies side, before we move on to the white ball series, um, in that test side, who do you pick out as sort of a main area of concern? I, I completely agree with uh, Tahin, actually. Yeah, Craig Braithwaite put us to the sword the last time Bangladesh uh, toured um, Western, I think it was 2018. And actually, the first test is at North Sound again, isn't it? So um, I still have kind of like sad memories of that afternoon, getting ready to watch the cricket and then 43 all out. And then I think Carme is like, like 
that first test he absolutely demolished where Bangladesh were in a position of potentially winning and he must be rubbing his hands going right what's wrong going to do at home ground so for me I think I think those are two that I'm kind of excited about watching to be honest yeah and um let's move on if we move on to ODIs we're in a we're in a privileged position yeah one more more name from me Blackwood always always like yeah Blackwood um I say I was just saying in terms of the ODIs we're sort of in a privileged position because West Indies have played six ODIs, three against Netherlands and three against uh, Pakistan. And Michelle's been the only West Indian journalist in the whole world who's actually seen seen them play live in, in these ODIs. So you saw them in Netherlands, Nash. So um, sort of how would you, let's go to you first, Nash. How would you sort of evaluate West Indies in the ODI format at the moment, having seen them live and being in that privileged position? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Bangladesh beat South Africa in South Africa in ODI? So I made that up. No, you're no. correct. Yeah, we're that's two correct, right? away win. Put, put it this way, Santoki. Bangladesh are a better old eye side than that. That's basically what I'm, <laughs> that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, like, Pakistan just turned us over 3-0, right? And that was to be expected. I don't think that shocked. It certainly didn't shock me. Doubt it shocked you, Santoki. Um, all I ever wanted from that Pakistan series was would we run them close in any games yeah. whatsoever? And the first one, arguably, we should have won it. The second and third one were basically revert to the mean. Um, we're not a very good ODI side. We're very much a work in progress. But when I say work in progress, I mean starting from the bottom, work in progress. Um, We were better than the Netherlands, but I'm not even going to say as we should be. We were just better than them. I would rank our ODI team as probably... We're what? We might be the worst, you know, Santoki. We might actually be worse. We lost to Ireland at home. So yeah. we're worse than them. I don't know. We haven't played Afghanistan in a while. So arguably speaking, in the same way how I'd say, oh, we should be favourites for the Test Series, Bangladesh should rightly consider themselves favourites um, to win the ODI um, series, particularly because what's the chances Santoki of? Holder's already said, rest me. So he's not playing. Lewis has failed a fitness test, so he's probably not playing. Hetmeyer's probably going to still say, well, my baby, so he's not playing. So it's not like we've got a, a myriad of players to suddenly call to who we can say bring them in because of their outstanding ODI record. So I'd like to see us try and win one game versus Bangladesh. <laughs> 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 so, Tawhid, Rashan, obviously, uh, thinking back from what I can recollect from that South Africa series, I know Taskin Ahmed took a few wickets um, in the games. Shakib had a good match batting at number three. Sort of, would you say ODIs were currently Bangladesh's favourite format? I, I think you're right. I think they have been for quite a while now, to be honest. It's a format where we just seem really settled. Uh, we seem to win consistently. You know, we've won our last, I think, our last, I want to say four series. So we South Africa, Afghanistan, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka. I think the, the, the one, the series we lost previous to that was New Zealand away. So we're fairly consistent with winning series. We do drop games here and there. You know, the majority of those are, with the exception, I think Zimbabwe were all 2-1 wins. I also think we we hold hold the trophies home and away against West Indies. And I might be mistaken, but I think both of those might have been clean sweeps. So we're just so consistent. You know, we're so confident. We seem to kind of just get it right with with the ODI format and where you know T20 cricket might be too quick or test cricket a whole game can change in a session the length of an ODI match just seems to see Bangladesh in terms of being able to hold it down and get over the line and it, you know for me it's fascinating because obviously we've got Tommy McBell as captain he's looking ahead to to the World Cup next year 
even when he doesn't perform particularly well, someone else does, you know, so, you know, I, I, was, I was looking at his scores earlier and I was like, well, actually, it's quite a few under 50 here or even under 40. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he can captain the side to wins, therefore have, you know, removing that pressure of him as captain is, is remarkable. And sort of speaks volumes of, of, of how well Bangladesh are faring. And I think all of that then kind of, you know, sort of comes together, puts us at the top of the old uh, world cup one day super league. And I think confidence just breeds confidence. And, you know, as a one-day international team, I think we feel fairly unstoppable at the moment. Torhid, before you come in, Santelki, do you remember the um, 2019 World Cup when Bangladesh licked us? Do you remember that game where they chased like 320 and like 40 of us? That's when I knew we were finished, you know. <laughs> so that, that, that's where we're coming Basha, from. I'm going I'm to tell you that. Like, I, I, think, I think Bangladesh winning in a one-day match is no longer an upset. A test, you can say, call an upset. A T20 win, depending on who we're playing, we can call an upset. I no longer look at Bangladesh winning in one day as an upset. I would say that's the expectation. I genuinely would say, like, I'd be disappointed if we lost this series in West Indies. Yeah, I completely, I, I completely. And I, I know I'm an optimist. I know I'm an optimist, but I feel about par there, weirdly. Well, that's well, that's why I brought up that 2019 game, because that game, not, not just because it, we got licks, but it was the confidence level in the licks. Bangladesh were never not going to lose that game. They won it at such a canter that I was like, oh, oh, we're actually way behind Bangladesh. Oh, sugar. Like, they're good. We're really not a good side. But I'm talking over to you. Torhid, I was going to ask, you might you might be able to answer this, kind of, why are Bangladesh so good coming at 50 overs? Is it an organisational thing? Do you guys play more domestic 50 over games? Is it just a prop of a golden generation of players? What are the exact reasons you guys are so good at 50 overs in contrast to, say, Test? Yeah, it's a good question. I think sort of Roshan kind of alluded to, to, to the answer a little bit. And I, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer is, apart from, you know, Certainly, if you look at the number of caps that the likes of Tamim, Shakib have in terms of ODIs, you know, it's it's in the hundreds. So there's a huge amount of experience in, in terms of the core of that team in terms of ODI caps. So huge amount of experience. And yeah, I guess in terms of trying to put your finger on why they're so successful in 50 over cricket, what I would say is, yeah, in terms of sort of T20s, they... they they don't necessarily have the batsman who, you know, can score a strike rate of 150 plus, you know, quite, you know, a lot of their, I would say a lot of their bat batters can, can kind of score around about a runner ball. And I think, you know, a lot of their top order are quite happy doing that. So that, I guess, sort of lends itself to those kind of ODI games where actually, if you look at the, the way they play the strategy that, in terms of how how they've been successful. It's actually a bit of a dated kind of strategy, but it works, right? So a lot of the time, they'll bat first. They don't put on huge scores. They'll, they, they'll kind of put on an above par 270, 280. And then, basically, they've got the bowlers, certainly through the middle overs, who will just strangle the life out of, uh, you know, the opposition batters. So that's kind of, you know, a real tried and tested method that they use and yeah as as, as Roshan was saying you know that the, the, the league table doesn't lie so you know Bangladesh top of that um, World Cup Super League but it is quite interesting because you look at the two tables they're bottom of the uh, World Test Championship so you know there's there's clearly a real disparity there maybe it's not quite as stark as those 
kind of tables might suggest. But yes, yeah, certainly they're, they're much, much better at sort of the 50 over format in, in comparison to, to any other format. Well, well, the league table doesn't lie. And one thing that also doesn't lie are the weather forecasts in Guyana in July. Um, so I'm expecting monsoon weather to secure us the 0-0 draw in that ODI series. Great scheduling there from, from the organisation at Cricket West Indies. Um, but if we move on quickly to the T20s, we've got three T20s as well coming up in this big tour. Sort of, obviously, it's hard to predict kind of T20s just because of their nature. But looking ahead to the World Cup coming up in October, how, how are Bangladesh's preparations coming along for that? And sort of how important do you see these games in that road to, in that road to the World Cup? I think these are super important. I, I don't think we've played a lot of, I think we've played maybe five games since the last World Cup. I might be wrong with that. I think we played a, what I call a rebound series against Pakistan, which shouldn't have happened because we were down and defeated after possi- being possibly the worst team at the last T20 World Cup. And I would say that possibly the worst team. And so we played, I think, Pakistan in the three test series straight after, lost all three. Um, and then since then, I think we've only played two this this year, I think. Who, who schedules a two test uh, sorry, two-match T20s. It doesn't make sense. That was against Afghanistan. It finished one all. If ever a series cried out for a third match, it was it. Like, who does that? Um, and I think we won one of those. So I don't think Bangladesh are in a particularly experienced place, particularly with T20 cricket at the moment. We, you know, we can keep going back. We had a bad World Cup. We then had two very fudged series against weakened Australia and New Zealand sides um, where we sort of spun, spun ones like wins out them. Um, so I think weirdly this series against West Indies is going to be a bit of a litmus test of where we're at and I think this will be the kind of reset of going okay we've got X number of months till till the World Cup what do we need to sort out and what do we need to fix but I mean if I if I if if I don't know what's going to turn up with the test team then I don't know what's going to happen with the with the ODI team the only thing that gets me excited is the uh the, the re-inclusion of, uh, of Animal Huck who is um it's like he's an experienced player. He's like 31, and he's had just had like a a blinding uh, a kind of um, list A tournament in in Bangladesh, where he's broken record of the number of runs in a season. So, with the exception of him, I, I sort of don't know what's going to turn up. If I'm honest, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, you look at how they performed at the World Cup, and it was a dreadful, dreadful sort of campaign, losing to Scotland. You know, they were playing in that sort of pre-qualifying round, if you like. And yeah, losing to Scotland, kind of scrape for against the mom. And then, yeah, as I was saying before, well, actually, I remember this is what um, Marvel de la Riata, the captain of the T20 team, said in a press conference um, at the end of the World Cup. Basically, he was saying that that loss against the West Indies really put them on a, a downward start, uh, spiral and, you know, kind of their momentum really kind of, uh, just froze after that loss. And you could kind of see what he was saying. I mean, you know, they still performed really badly, you know, that notwithstanding. But, yeah, as as Roshan was saying, I think, um, yeah, I can't see any of the, you know, the issues or the, uh, the things that needed to be resolved. You know, I can't see any of those, or well, I don't know if any of those have been resolved. It, it doesn't really look like it on the face of things, you know, that I think my personal opinion, they'll probably struggle, you know, the World Cup in Australia doesn't really suit them. Um, I think they'll probably struggle on, on some of those wickets. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the, you know, yeah, it's weird, you know, they, they do play a fair bit of T20 cricket in Bangladesh. The BPL is a fairly well-established tournament now, but um, yeah, they just haven't been able to kind of translate any of, of that into 
the national team. I mean, what, what I would say, Santoki, though, is um, whilst I hear all that, and I think if, okay, I'd say that we are favourites for the T20 series. Um, what says two games in Dominica, those two should get played. And they'll. I think they'll be in full, I think they'll be in front of full raucous crowds as well, because that's the return of international cricket to Dominica. The Guyana one will probably get washed out as well. But um, can, in fact, actually, before I continue, do, do Bangladesh have to qualify as well? I know, is it them or Sri Lanka has to qualify with us? For the World Cup. I think we weirdly circumvented qualification because That's of those tactical Australian New Zealand series. So, like, we will be in that, is it Super 12 stage? Right. Let me say on record, we don't deserve to be there. We should be playing against whoever it is in the qualification. But we have essentially done the kind of qualification equivalent of a man cab, basically, is what we've done. <laughs> so <laughs> so Bangl- Bangladesh have, have, have escaped the potential booby trap of not even qualifying for the T20 World Cup. We obviously are in those qualifiers. I'm not even going to tempt fate and say we'll get through them because who knows. But what I would say, Santokin, I want to see how you, uh, what you say about it. We're still not set on our T20 side. We're still in a rebuilding phase. I know we beat England in that kind of thrilling series. Uh, and then we went to India and got a bit of a reality check. But we've kind of got all of these. We've got basically the thing Bangladesh don't have. We've got loads of power hitters. But mm. as you would have seen in the in the IPL, every IPL side used our players as power hitters at number five or number six. So we don't actually have a coherent batting lineup of players. Does that make sense, Antoki? Yeah, 100%. I think we're still sort of recovering from losing Gale, Pollard, DJ, Bravo, three of the greatest of all times in the format in such a short space of time and trying to find players who can not fill the void, but at least kind of live up to the standards they've set. So I think it'll be good to experiment with sort of who can, as Michelle alluded to, who can be our finisher. Obviously, Rotherham and Powell's been doing well in the format at the moment. But I think these three T20s will be hugely, hugely important for West Indies just to try and kind of try out what is our team? What is our settled team going into the World World Cup qualifiers? That's a far better position to be in because I think didn't Australia have a situation where basically all of their best T20 players were like openers and then they were like, well, how do we f- figure this into a batting lineup? So I'd much rather have your situation than ours, if I'm honest. Much rather have that. Too many power hitters, what to do? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, I'm sure that only leaves one thing. Everyone's got to kind of put their money where their mouth is. Um, mm. We have to have the predictions, don't we, Santoki? Yeah, 100%. So, any volunteers to go first? Listen, I'm ready to go first. I'm, I'm, oh, ready, God, to, I'm ready to put it all out on the line. Uh, we have to, and the predictions must be, assuming no matches are ra- rained off. Yeah. So, it's three T20s, three ODIs, two tests. Right, okay. Test match. Assuming Antigua's a draw, 1-0 West Indies. ODIs, 2-1 Bangladesh. T20s, 2-1 West Indies. That's exactly what I was going to say, Mash. <laughs> those, are, those are my predictions. Sorry, no, they're not my predictions. I was going to say 2-0 West Indies. In the oh, in the test? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the only difference for me. I'm, I'm going to vary. Oh, Sorry, go on. I'm going to be slightly, yeah, I, I think 2 0 West Indies in the test. I'm going to be optimistic in the one day series, 3 0 Bangladesh, and then T20s. If we can win one, I'd be very happy. So let's say 2 1 to the West Indies. I would take that. I'm going to say, I have to, I don't like predicting draws, but Antigua's got to be a draw, surely. So I'll go 1 0 West Indies, 3 0 ODIs, 3 0 T20s. The poor yeah, and for, who? for us, 
Yeah, for us, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I've got, I've got to keep it on brand, man, and keep the positivity up. <laughs> love that, love that, love that. Well, <laughs> that bring that that is uh, that's a perfect way to bring to a close um, this particular episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, ladies and gents. We wanted to 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 get a Bangladesh flavour uh, on this particular episode, and particularly because. Similar, like I say, not to heart back, but to think back to the last time he played in a test series in particular, West Indies Bangladesh isn't a well-covered tour, no matter whether it's to Bangladesh or whether it's to the Caribbean. And that, despite the fact, as Santoki says, this is going to be on BT Sport for those who are in the UK. This is going to be light. And I reckon, actually, because it's on BT Sport, more than you think, and the average neutral viewer will probably catch it because it's prime time viewing in the UK for this particular um, West Indies test matches are prime time viewing time. So maybe some neutrals will actually try and catch this test series and the ODIs and the T20s, etc. But in general, it's not a series that gets a lot of written press. So it was really important to, to, to bring a Bangladesh flavour to... Um, to the podcast prior to this um, multi-format series so that we can actually do it justice and know that people are trying to cover it. But Santolki, I'm going to let you and our guests have the final word. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of been tarnished as a low expectation series among cricket fans. But if you think back, pretty much every series between the two sides always has something historic or mad happening. So I would urge, especially neutral fans, there's no football on, we're off-season, it's on BT Sport, good timings after work in the evening. So why not check it out? Because I'm pretty sure something monumental will happen in at least one of the test matches going forward. But Torhid, Rashan, it's been an absolute pleasure getting your insights into Bangladeshi cricket. And we'll be sure to have you back. Well, hopefully, assuming West Indies win, we'll be sure to have you back to cuss you guys up after this, <laughs> after the series take place. But guys, I'll leave the final words up to you. Yeah, yeah it's no, been brilliant. Uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been great being on, and yeah, kind of agree with what you're saying there, Santoki. I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Certainly in terms of tests, that 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 so often we hear about, you know, test crickets dying, isn't it? Sort of terrible, and so often that sort of arguments from the prism or, or viewed in the prism of the big three. So people who talk about that are only really talking about tests that India, Australia, England are involved in. And actually, when people sort of talk about that, they don't, you know, I feel they don't take notice of a series between the likes of uh, Bangladesh and West Indies. So, yeah, hopefully, like you say, this is on prime time. So, uh, yeah, there'll be lots of eyes on it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The fact that we can watch this West Indies series is a treat. The hardest thing as a Bangladesh fan to do is find a series. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's not nice when your dad's there watching with you and you're on a dodgy website and there are some pop-ups that no one wants to see in a family-friendly environment. It's not the one, okay? So the fact that uh, an actual mainstream sports broadcaster owns the rights to the West Indies home series is a luxury. And the fact that it'll be on in the afternoon is brilliant. And I hope, I hope a lot of people get to see it. Fantastic. Ladies and gents, let us know in the comments, obviously, whether if you're watching this on visuals on YouTube, let us know in the comments. If you're listening to this on a podcast, send get in touch with us via Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be. Throw your questions. If you want us to bring uh, Torhid and Rashan back on during the test series, during the old series, during the T20 series, hit us up and we'll sort it out. But ladies and gents, that's been another fantastic episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you and good night.